the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Winston Ben Clemens. He's an award-winning international speaker with a mission to create a world without limitations. His 2018 TEDx talk entitled, Your Limitations Are an Illusion, has impacted tens of thousands of people online. Born with a condition known as brittle bone disease, Winston suffered from frequent and painful bone fractures that disrupted most of his childhood. So welcome onto the show, Winston. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, dude. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So before we delve into today's episode, Winston, yeah. how, in terms of, obviously for the audience, how impactful was your condition on, obviously, your early childhood going into later life? Yeah, massively. Um, but it's a bit of a strange one, James, and because uh, I get this question a lot. You know, people say it must have been super hard, you know, being born with this disability and having to overcome all these challenges. Um, and in my case, it was mostly to do with my bones. So my bones were super weak. Uh, so when I was younger, and you know how kids are, kids like to play, kids like to push, right? And I wanted to do the same thing, but my body couldn't handle that. So, you know, any small contact, to be honest, even, even something like a big sneeze could potentially cause me a fracture back in those days. So, you can imagine people have to be like super careful around me and stuff like that. And obviously I have to be careful as well. Um, and so the impact was I have this mindset where I want to get involved in everything. You know, like I said, when the kids are playing the playground, I want to be in there as well. I want to play. Um, and you know, going, growing up, going to school, going into my career and even going into what I'm doing now with the speaking and training, I've just always wanted to get involved. And so the big challenge for me perhaps was um, having this ambitious mindset, but also maybe not having the body to support me to do everything that I wanted to do. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I've had to sort of come up with strategies and, and ways of enabling me to, to still go after my dreams despite not being born into the perfect container. But would it that be a sense of, obviously, from an outside perspective, mm. people would say you've you've had an adverse uh, upbringing, but because you've had that mindset of adaptability, is that why you envision? That's probably why I can relate because I, I have the same uh, similar, so to speak, upbringing in terms of my disability. You have that adaptable mindset. Well, okay, this is the hand that I've been dealt but let me come up with a solution that's going to work for me. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, um, and it's a funny one as well, because the other side of it is, I don't know about your condition, but I was actually born with this condition. So it's not like I was, you know, perfectly able-bodied and then I lost something. I lost my ability to walk or something like that. Um, so this is all I've ever known. So, and I think what that meant is 
you know, it's, it's not like I, I remember how it was when I could walk or when I could do all these physical activities. For me, I've always just had to be a problem solver from day one um, because I'm sure you can relate and, you know, there'll be people listening to this who can relate, especially if you're from a, you know, a different background, whether it's a disability or, or something else even. Um, the world is not necessarily designed to cater for all different types of people. Um, so in my case, I'm a wheelchair user, right? And I live in London, and you think, you know, London, one of the biggest cities in the world, should be perfectly um, catered for, for, for someone in a wheelchair, but not necessarily. Um, I mean, many places are good, but many places are not so good. Um, so I've always grown up with that mindset of, you know, if, if I need to solve a problem, you know, like get into a building or get into a car or just something to allow me to, to get to where I need to get to or to do where I need to do, and I'm just going to figure it out, which I think is, is a big advantage for anybody who hasn't been born into the, you know, the perfect conditions uh, because you kind of have to think on your feet a lot more. So you more are you more of a person that does things from that perspective off the cuff than as opposed to more uh, forward planning then? Um, I think I have quite a spontaneous personality. Um so, I mean, I have to be sensible as well, because of, let's say, um, let's say I'm, I'm flying to America in two weeks, for example, um, two weeks, ten days, and um, so for that, I, I had to be sensible and I had to ring up the airline and say, hey, I'm going to be traveling in a wheelchair, you know, could you make the arrangements to make sure I can get on board and that kind of thing. So I have to be sensible in that way. Um, but let's say if, on another example, if Somebody was to ring me, you know, even you know after this interview, and say, "Hey, Winston, we need to co- we need you to come in tomorrow. We need you to come and give a talk to our audience. It's a conference with a thousand people. It's in Manchester, and I live in London. Um, I'm not going to be like, no, 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 you know, that's, I need time to plan this, and you know, I need to put things in place. I'm, I'm going to say yes, and then I'll figure it out, you know, as I go along." Oh, that, that, that's I think that's very um, uh, poignant and a good way to think about things is is doing it within the scope of where you're at in terms of that. So coming back to the the initial idea of obviously your TEDx talk, why do you have this um, way of thinking in terms of a limitation is just an illusion? Put that into perspective for me. Yeah, yeah. Um... So to be honest, I feel like that is almost, if, if I could sum up my life up to now in one sentence, it would be that. Because when I was growing up, you know, we touched on my condition, we touched on the fact that I had these, um, or I still have these really fragile bones, but not as fragile as I was when I was a kid. Um, and I remember in those moments when, you know, I was having all the, you know, all the breakages, all the fractures, and... You know, more than the physical pain, I think the thing that I, I, I was impacted most by was the fact that I used to sometimes go into a dark place where I would think, wow, am I ever going to be able to have a normal life? Am I ever going to be able to uh, get a job, buy a house, live independently, get into a relationship, um, do all these normal things that I see other people doing? Because, come on, look at me. I can't even you know, go a month or two months without breaking a bone. 
the more kind of life is it. So for me, in a way, in many ways, the, the physical stuff is obvious because everybody can see it. But for me, the biggest battle was on the mental side. Um, and so what that sort of taught me was that, you know, after I was actually able to then go on and start doing some some things, you know, like, you know, going to school, graduating, working for really big, big companies, which I never would have imagined uh, me having an opportunity to work for. Once you start taking those things off, it gives you evidence to believe that actually the way you see yourself today is not necessarily how how you're going to perform or what your results are going to be in the future. Um, and so, which ties in nicely to that line, right? You know, limitations, you know, when I was five, six years old, in my bed, crying myself to sleep, thinking what life is this going to be? Um, in those moments, that I could, all I could see was limitations. But now, fast forward 20 plus years later, um, I can look back and I think, you know, why was I crying myself to sleep? You know, the, the, the life is never as scary or the limitations are never as impossible as they appear on that club, if that makes sense. Do you think? I think. Do you think in the early days that you were putting uh, a barrier, a ceiling, so to speak, on what was actually not necessarily physically possible, but actual your inner beliefs that what you could achieve? You were putting a, oh, yeah. a, a figuratively, uh, not figuratively, um, a metaphoric ceiling on on your actual capacity to actually achieve something. I think so, and I think you know this, this should this should be relatable to a lot of people listening right now because I think the ceiling um, the ceiling comes from evidence of you having achieved something. So, for example, uh, you know when I was a kid, you know five six years old, and you know all I could all I knew was physical pain, right? In those moments, all I knew was physical pain. So for you to come along and tell me, you know, one day you're going to be able to travel the world doing public speaking, you know, I, I could not relate. I had no bridge to that world um, from where I was back then, if that makes sense. Um, but it's only when, you know, I, I, what, I, what I would say is when you start achieving things, or the other way is when you have people that believe in you. So in my case, I had parents, I had uh Later on, I had friends, I had mentors, I had coaches. Um, and then I started to see that these people actually believed in me more than I was prepared to believe in myself at that point. Yeah. And so you, I, I found myself in a position where, you know, I, I still probably had some doubts as to what I could realistically achieve in life. But because now I was starting to surround myself with people who believed in me, then I was more willing to try for things. I was more willing to put myself out there, to go for the jobs, the big jobs, to go for the public speaking. And then you start to achieve things, right? And, and then as you take those things off, your own feeling, you know, seems to go higher and higher. Well, I think, I think it's in a sense of what you're alluding to, Winston. It, 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 I think it's, it's somebody from an outward perspective gives you that confidence to go and, so to speak, uh, give you the, the authority to give it a try and what have you got to lose kind of mentality. And I think as you talk about the successes come on board, your, your confidence within yourself then thus grows. And then you're more willing to do not, not outlandish things, but more things that you thought were not, cap- cap- you were cap- more than cap- that things that you thought were 
you weren't capable of achieving yeah. are now realistic. Yeah, because it, I think success gives you momentum, right? So um, it's almost like, I don't know, what's a good example here? Um, it's almost like teaching a kid how to ride a bike, right? Um, and initially you have stabilizers. You have the stabilizers and, you know, they, they ride with the stabilizers and then they feel a little bit more confident because now they're able to, you know, to maneuver and to control the bicycle and then you take the stabilizers off. They fall down a few times, um, but, you, you know, you're there, you know, mom and dad are there saying, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do the stabilizers, you can do this. You know, you're going to fall down a few times, but that's normal, it happens to everybody, and you encourage them. You know, so for me, you know, my parents, my coaches, you know, people that I'm surrounded with, they were, you know, the ones who were saying, okay, now go, go for bigger things, go for better things, because you've proven that you can do it the stabilizers you know with all of us around you so believe in yourself that you're actually capable of going for it even in your own strength but why do you think more specifically for you Winston that people are somewhat anxious fearful of stepping outside of this uh, realms of what is comfort yeah it's uh well because the comfort zone is a good place to be um basically because if I'm in the comfort zone, I, um, yeah, it, it's literally exactly what it says in the tin. It's comfortable. Um, it's almost like if you imagine, you know, to use a, a house analogy, I'm in my, I'm in my flat right now. Um, it's, it's not raining outside, but let's say if it was raining and, you know, I had to go and do something outside. Um, maybe something even like really important or something really, useful to help myself or somebody else right um i would still be tempted to stay indoors in my nice apartment <laughs> than to think hey i need to go outside and do that you know really important favor for james um so and, and it's the exact same thing with the comfort zone a lot of the time people will just play safe um because at least they know what what that feels like yeah you know what that feels like and as opposed to me saying, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna get, you know, soaked in the rain um, to help my friend." Even though when, when you do it, you know you're gonna feel really great about yourself, but in that heat of the moment, you're just gonna be like, "See ah, that tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the comfort zone is it feels good because it's it, it's a nice place to be. It doesn't force you to extend or to stretch or to grow yourself. Um, but for the same reasons, that's why it's not a productive place to be. Well, that's most that's where most people find themselves is in the latter because they don't feel fully content, satisfied with where they're at. But then if you're not willing to, I won't say necessarily do the work because that, that's, that's a negative way to look at it, but in terms of willing to stretch yourself... It's, it's only you that can actually do, actually change that situation. And you've got to look, be able to look at yourself in the mirror. Or well, what did I, did I do, did I, or didn't I do it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I think it's also important to, to find something, um, something that you really care about. So, or, or have a really strong, be almost mission driven as opposed to goals driven because a lot of people, um, 
you know, at the start of the year, for example, people said uh, New Year's resolutions, right? And say, this year I'm going to lose, you know, 10 stone, um, I'm going to get a new job, I'm going to get married, all these things, right? Um, but a lot of the goals that we set, and myself included, I'm no different. Um, they're goals to either benefit ourselves or goals to make us look good in front of other people, if that makes sense. Um, whereas what I've learned is the more you tie your, your goal to a mission, or a sense of purpose to help either somebody you care about or to give back to your community, to give back to society. Um, and just to use myself, you know, this is why I sort of transitioned away from the corporate world because success in the corporate world was about, um, and there's nothing wrong with this, was about getting promotions, getting bonuses, getting, you know, all these sort of financial incentives uh, to, to validate your performance. Uh, but now I've gone from there to a place where actually my... My biggest reward is, you know, talking to people like you and, you know, reaching your audience and saying, hey, you know, this is my story, this is where I've come from. And hopefully by me sharing, you're able to look at your life in maybe a little bit of a different perspective and, and try for something which perhaps you wouldn't have tried for before today. And do you think from that perspective, Winston, I'll ask a more, more poignant question. Do you think that in terms of to be able to grow your mission, and I, I obviously had the opportunity to, to watch some of your TEDx talk. Oh, thank you. Uh, in terms of just so I could get the, the the actual how you operate like charismatically as a person. So it was it was I think the, would you um, opening up your talk with with laughter is like okay you did <laughs> from that perspective as opposed to you you encapsulate uh, an emotion reaction straight away. Mm whether or not somebody finds it funny or not, but it's obviously, <laughs> as you put it from... Uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> as in this, well, I think that you, don't know, you don't know what to expect, do you? It's like, oh, it's, is it, we're going to go down this route in terms of inspiration, motivation again, but you t- you turning it on its head and looking at it from a, a different perspective, mm. I think is a good one. And in terms of, do you think from a, a, um, a mission statement, so to speak, that that is now the the new platform so not not necessarily platform but new way of engaging what is an ever growing well ever growing form of connection because everybody mm. can get access to anything on youtube social media you know like facebook lives mm. YouTube, like you name it if you've that access to the touch, but do you think that's what separates the the better? I don't say necessarily the better people, but the better content and puts yeah. you on a, on a, on a on a better platform. Yeah, do you know, what? I, I think it's different things for different people. Um, so for me, one of the reasons why I set a big mission, um, first of all, it has to be a mission that you care about. Um, so for me, you know, with my story and, you know, uh, maybe having a bit of a unique background to most people and, you know, with, with my condition, with, you know, how I look, I'm completely different, but yet I'm very independent and I like to get involved in stuff. And so I wanted to go from a place where, because I'll be the person, um, who, you know, cause I'm out and about a lot, you know, even just now saying to you, um, you know, just come back in from a busy day of running around and, 
I'm one of those people, and you probably know people like this as well. I, I'll just talk to strangers in the street, um, or they'll feel compelled to talk to me for some reason. Actually, it's normally the other way around, um, and I'll talk back. <clears throat> and people get curious because they see, oh my god, okay, so this guy, you know, like little guy wheelchair, um, he's out here just doing his thing in the middle of London, um, and people get curious about that sometimes, and then we have a conversation. And they learn more about me, you know, I say, actually, you know, this is what I do, I'm a speaker, you know, I do all of these, you know, <laughs> crazy things. Um, and I could see that that was, when, as I'm, I'm telling people that story, they're like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't believe it's possible for this guy to, to do all of that. And, you know, so where I wanted to go in my mission is to go from having those sort of one-to-one conversations and inspiring one person at a time. To actually inspiring groups of people or big audiences because because I realized that it was really rewarding for me to be able to just simply share my story and you know I don't think I've been through more adversity than anybody else or anything like that um, I mean in fact I would say to people I think I've had a really good life um, but because my background is slightly different if I can if I can package that in a way that goes from helping one or two people at a time to helping hundreds and thousands and hopefully millions and billions of people, then for me that's the most rewarding thing I can do. And so so that's why I set a big mission. And also from the fact I don't know if you follow Les Brown at all. Mm. Yeah, so one of the things that he says <coughs> and you know, for anyone who hasn't watched Les Brown, you know, where have you been? Look him up. Uh, <laughs> Les Brown, amazing coach and speaker says one of the biggest uh, disappointments in life is when you set a mediocre target or goal and you actually achieve it. Uh, because, you know, you achieve something and you're like, oh, okay, I spent a whole year or a whole two years working for this goal and now I've got it. Um, I feel really uninspired now because I don't know what I'm going to do next. Um, so the other reason why I set a really big goal is to Give me something to work towards for a long, long time. So my goal is to reach one billion people. Um, I think I'm a really good speaker, but I doubt I'm going to speak to a billion people in the next, you know, couple of years. I mean, you never know. Uh, my stuff could go viral. So guys, share this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I set a big goal to that. I've got something to work towards and something that I enjoy and feel passionately about and hopefully you'll keep it going for a long, long time. But then, Winston, you, you mentioned there in terms of being able to have that connection to one billion people. But talk to my audience about your—I won't necessarily call it insecurities—but you know that limiting you put on yourself that you believed uh, I can't do a TEDx talk. Well, okay, it was twelve months ago now, but you had a goal of setting out to do it within three years. What was kind of that? Mm. limiting belief that you're putting on yourself or why mm. why do I have to do it within that time frame as opposed to as your coach put it why 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 not now why not now yeah yeah that's yeah I've been watching my videos <laughs> um, yeah and I think it's it kind of related to what we touched on before which is um so so limiting beliefs come from I believe they come from us whether in a a place where we're looking to up level, you know, to, to try something bigger, better, or different to what we've done so far. Um, so, you know, just like I said earlier, when I was a kid, I couldn't imagine 
that I'll be living, I'll have my own flat um, in London, that I'll be able to drive a car or, you know, travel in an aeroplane by myself to different countries and do the speaking stuff. Um, and so just in the same way, 12 months ago, I hadn't done a TEDx uh, before. To be honest, I hadn't really done much public speaking at all because I came from a technical IT career. Um, I was good talking one-on-one -on -one to people, but never spoke in front of an audience. <clears throat> and so I didn't have the evidence of me, you know, I, I couldn't picture myself giving a TEDx, you know, anytime soon. And so again, remember what we said earlier, sometimes you need to borrow the, um, the belief of other people, right? So in the same way, my coach challenged me and said, yeah, 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 you're saying you want to do this TEDx in five years' time, but what about now? And it hadn't even crossed my mind that this could be something that I could try for straight away. Um, so I literally used the same principle and, you know, I did need a bit of a push. You know, there was some resistance because I was still thinking, ah, I don't know, this guy is literally crazy. What's he asking me to do? I'm not ready. Um, but sometimes you just have to kind of close your eyes and go with the belief of other people, just how we were discussing earlier on. But you'd probably agree with me, Winston. If if you're not if you're not ready now, in certain certain circumstance, you'll never be ready. Yeah, um, and in fact, um, I don't think I don't if if you're trying to achieve. Actually, let me even use a specific example. Even with my speaking today, and I've done. You know, I've been fortunate. You know, after the TEDx, I've been invited to speak to many other places and organisations and events and stuff and amazing you know podcasts like yours um so i've had a lot of exposure but even to this day you know before i give a talk or before i give an interview before before i put myself out in public like i'm doing now i still have some apprehension yeah so i'm, so I'm still nervous and you know i speak to I'm, I'm fortunate now that i know a lot of speakers who are really experienced been in the game for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, some of them. And they say the same thing. They say before they go up on the stage, they have butterflies in their stomach. And I'm thinking, how? You've been doing this for 30 years. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But it's just one of those things that it, it, we, we fool ourselves into thinking there's going to come a day when I'm fully going to be ready for X. And X could be, you know, working out, losing weight. X could be asking that girl out or X could be, you know, public speaking, whatever. Yeah. And so we are waiting for the perfect moment for the for all the ducks to be lined up in a row. And that is why many people end up getting trapped in the comfort zone in the same circumstances, seeing the same result because they're waiting for everything to be perfectly lined up. And the sad thing about perfection is I don't actually believe it exists. So you're waiting for something which is very, very difficult to attain. So start before you're ready. Yeah, but I think also with the, the notion towards getting to perfection, well, we should sport in analogy, well, the goalpost is, is ever going to ever be moving. It'll never be where you think you're going to shoot here. It's going to move. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, <clears throat> yeah, I was watching, because um, I, I watch, when, when I give a talk and they give me the um, the film, or the video from the talk. Um, I'd like to watch it back, <laughs> um, just to kind of, as a way of learning and sort of seeing what I could improve for the next one. 
Um, and so I was watching a talk recently that I did um, maybe a few weeks ago, <clears throat> and you know I was I was critiquing a few things and thinking, oh, I could have done this better, I could have done that better. Uh, but at the same time, I, when I stopped and I reflected, and then I tried to look at that talk in the same in from where I was 12 months ago, basically, and say, could you imagine if 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 I told you know one year ago Winston that I would have given a talk of this level of this quality, you know, I would have thought you know this is the the best talk ever. Like there's no way I could improve this. Yeah. It's like even with my TEDx, I watch my TEDx sometimes and you know, it's it's been really good. It's helped a lot of people, but from like a self critiquing perspective, I can see so many things that are wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that whole thing which which leads in nicely to what you said is, you know, perfection is it's a moving target, right? Um just because I think I need to take these three boxes today to be perfect, it doesn't mean that that's always going to be the same. In six months' time, it's going to be six boxes that I need to pick. So rather than chasing that, just try for something today. And even if you know failure happens, just use that failure as feedback. Um, because I'd rather go on the stage. You know, I'd rather go and do a TEDx before I'm ready, which is exactly what I did, <laughs> and learn from the mistakes than uh, say, oh, I'm going to wait five years and, you know, then I've deprived people for five years of, you know, hopefully receiving a message that was really valuable to them. I think exactly. Well, I'm I'm probably in the same sphere in terms of of mine. My, I'm in the process of going for a course to do mine within the next six to well, the coach you said three to six months. I'd probably push it out because you, you want to try and get it to to hit the one that's going to make the most impact so it's yeah honestly well is the message what i'm going to talk about obviously on the same wavelength as the theme obviously if it isn't you're not trying to fit uh what's the analogy uh a square peg into a round circle it's not Mm -hmm. going to in terms of trying to force something to work and it doesn't quite match it's better to get it. But I think having that somebody, like you said, with a coach, making you be accountable and to hit the the steps along the way, mine's probably not as brazen as yours, going out there and, and kind, of, kind of diving head first into it. Mine's a little bit more, uh, I won't say cautious, because he is, he is critical and say, well, yeah, it's it's do the research, see if it's been done, obviously because you don't want to regurgitate uh, from a plagiaristic perspective something that's already mm. been done it's trying to be innovative yeah. and coming at something from a new perspective which is not always easy but it's it's looking at that i think i think, I think it's a great way to look at life really it's, it's coming at it from a uh, a new orientation i think that's why having coaches like ourselves is a good thing at times because of the life experiences you come at things from a different perspective it's like well in terms of the person saying well I've tried this 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 okay let me come in from from the left and say have you tried this and it's it's not it's not even anywhere within their periphery I've not even thought about that at all I bet you you have probably subconsciously but you don't think it's 
the right time or the right thing to do. It's, it's, it's probably has come across your psyche, but it's, it's taken somebody else to probably put it front and center before you're thinking, well, okay, they think, why try it? What try it? Try this. Let me go ahead and, and uh, attempt it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, just to put a disclaimer in, on it, I don't just try anything <laughs> that pops into my mind. <laughs> so I would recommend, for example, if you're thinking of driving a car and you've never had lessons, that you just go and, you know, grab the keys of a Lamborghini <laughs> and take it for a spin. Don't do that, please. It's only going to end badly. Um, but I think for me, it was almost like a, I mean, I don't want to be like all woo and stuff, but things just fell into place for me at the time. So, you know, that challenge came from a coach who is somebody that I really respect. Um, and so when he challenged me to look into the TEDx, I mean, I've coached with many other people. And chances are, if, if that statement came from one of the other guys, I would have probably ignored it. Yeah. Um, but it came from somebody who I really respect. And at, with the timing at the time, it was a time when I was questioning myself and questioning what I wanted to do going forward, my mission, my legacy. And so, you know, things just started to click. And so even when I applied for the TEDx, um, normally you don't get a TEDx straight away. You have to wait, you know, six months, a year to find the right event, you know, the right theme, the right topic, like you say. Uh, which which fits with your message, um, but in my case, you know, I literally got it in about six weeks. So from the, the time of application to actually being on the stage was about six weeks, which is ridiculous. So just things just sort of fell into place quickly, and you know, I just found myself sort of like in a river being washed away by the current, and I I just went with it. <laughs> I didn't try to swim back to shore. I was just like, oh, okay, let's see where this takes me. And, you know, fortunately, it took me to a nice beach and not, like, off the edge of a waterfall and down into the rocks. So, you know, it's, it's just, I guess the, the, the takeaway will be to sort of keep an open mind because um, we all have goals, you know, like you with your with your talk and your TEDx. We all have goals and we all have in our head a time frame as to how we would like things to unfold um, comfortably for us. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just keep an open mind in case, you know, somebody might call you up tomorrow and say, hey, dude, uh, do you want to come and speak at TEDx Los Angeles because we've had an opening and, you know, your message, we've listened to your podcast and your message would be perfect for this. So, you know, would you say no? Or, you know, no, I still need to do my coaching and stuff. Or would you be like, hey, you know what, this is something to consider. So have a plan, but be prepared for that plan to be altered if, hopefully better things fall out of the sky for you. Well, I think from that perspective, I think, Winston, you need to look at it with uh, each opportunity with a fine tooth comb. Obviously, to put it in perspective, that would probably be a big, big TEDx talk. Los Angeles, New York. Uh, I, know, I, I, know, I know, I think with my coach, you was saying, oh, is it TEDx London? I was like, no. But in terms of ones recently... <laughs> They're kind of going more um, regionalized, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of London perspective by going boroughs. But I, I don't know if that's making it more community based as opposed to lumping it as Greater London as as one entity. 
and then the, you some probably couldn't relate by different areas of that of the city to to us mm. but i think it does come down to oh, the bigger impact that you're going to have and obviously uh, not being afraid of well those kind of opportunities because the the bigger the better it's just yeah. the way you, you way you perceive it it's like well there's nothing to be Oh, so to speak, scared of, because like you were saying, it's that even people with 30 years experience have the same emotional response before they go out on things. And, and you would assume that it isn't possible. It's the same with, you look at it from the different perspective with the athlete. You would never say, you never hear an athlete say they're, they're nervous after the, well, not even before, definitely not after the fact, but generally before an event, major will be, We'll put it in terms of probably the FA Cup because that's probably mm. and, and, and that's more poignant within British sport at the moment, and obviously, well, European football and things like that. Those would be of excitement. Physiologically, it's the same response. It's yeah. just your oh, inner beliefs of how you portray it would be a simple way of how I would look at it. And you just, I think, because of maybe traits that you've learned you become more worried more apprehensive to this opportunity as opposed to what well most children will probably look at it with excitement is they're not fit they're not scared of anything it's like well this is opportunity that's been presented to me what have i got to not not necessarily what have i got to lose but they're going to Take it with both hands, and thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and, you, <laughs> and you know what I, what I think it is as well. Yeah, and I think the children one is a good example um, because when we when we're young, like you say, um, we don't overthink things, we don't take things as seriously, um, and to some extent, we are a little bit reckless because we're not too worried about the consequences of things. Um, and that's probably why I broke a lot of my bones because I was doing stupid things which I wouldn't do now uh, when, I, when I was younger um, but I think as well, you know, some of the, the, the blockages that we have and I think just to make it relatable to, to other people as well you know, some of the blockages that we have whether it's public speaking, whether it's you know, starting your own business um, you know, relationship health, anything to be honest the blockage that we get is because we get too attached to the result. So before you go on stage, you know, you want to be perceived as the best speaker at that conference. You, you, you focus on that or before you, before you ask somebody out, you know, for, you know, if you're trying to get into a relationship with them, you're already thinking about the marriage, the kids, everything. You haven't been on the first date yet. Yeah. And so you put yourself under all this extra and I believe unnecessary pressure. Um, when in fact, where you want to get to is a place where you can actually enjoy the process, which is what children do, right? When you ask a kid to, um, build you a sandcastle, yeah, they're not thinking, Oh my God, is this sandcastle going to win sandcastle of the year? And you know, all these things. They just get a bucket and they stop filling some sand in there and just doing their thing. And they've got a big smile on their face. They're covered in it. I mean, you're going to have to go and wash them after. 
but you know they're just literally having the time of their life and in the moment when they're doing it and and so i think that's the secret you know if you can get to a place where you, where you can actually enjoy and be present be authentic which is what i try to do on the stage so the way you see me on the stage is how i'd like to believe i am off the stage because i just try to be myself be relaxed instead of going up there thinking oh you know i need to be the best be i need to win i need to win speaker of the night or whatever um i just go there and be the best winston and after that everything else is a bonus so you would say encapsulate that all into one well not one sentence but into one or well, a couple of words mm. is to take a leaf out of of, of the book from a, a child's perspective yeah 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 within reason yeah um uh, because i just believe life is much more enjoyable when you can actually it's almost like injecting an element of play into everything that you do um whether it's you know like we said setting up business or public speaking going to the gym whatever yeah if you can make it fun or if you can make it true to your personality and true to the things how you like to do or how you like to show up then it's a lot easier than when you get all you know bogged down and tied down with the end result because the end result might not come for another 6 months or 5 years or 10 years so you're going to spend all of that time you know uncomfortable being anxious and worried when you know you'd have a you'd have a much happier experience if you took it day by day and just just did the best version of you and my penultimate question to you Winston if you had to either get people to challenge or change their perception of their mindset mm-hmm. how would you get them to do that come to one of my talks <laughs> <laughs> um and if that's not enough uh, for sure i mean to be honest it, the simple tips would be to for me i'd say the biggest impact has been based off the people that i surround myself with um and i mean this is common knowledge right so a lot of your perception is driven by your environment yeah so if you're in an environment where people are thinking negatively people are not ambitious people are not trying for you know big things or people are not trying for different things because they think it's risky and unfortunately sometimes <laughs> sometimes those people who hold us back are our friends or family and the people that care about us the most um and to be honest it's not that they're holding us back because of any sort of malice um they're holding us back because they they're afraid for us you know um it's almost thinking you know unfortunately you know my my parents have always been supportive but you know no one would blame them for thinking oh my god we don't want our son in you know his little fragile body to go and be a speaker and travel all around the world by himself i mean anything could happen to him right and you know that would be coming from a place of love yeah <clears throat> but actually what you need to do is find a balance in your network where yes of course you know your your parents and your close friends they will always have some element of concern for you but also put yourself in a position where you have coaches you have mentors or another group of friends who who see who have a who who are, who are crazy enough to believe in the things that you believe in basically um 
Because for me to say that I'm going to impact one billion people is a bit of a crazy statement. Yeah, but I truly believe in it. And the more I put myself out there, the more I'm actually engaging and connecting with other people who see this for me. If you can get yourself around people who see the same that the same things that you see, then I would say that that would be my top number one tip for changing that perspective that is perhaps negative at the moment. And my final question to you, Winston, before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize into one sentence for people to take away yep. what we've spoken about today, what would that be? One sentence. I'm a public speaker. I've used to more than one sentence. <laughs> um, I would say in summary, we talked about taking ownership of your life and not letting life happen to you. So not being passive, but instead just winning with whatever cards you've been dealt with. I think that's the great way to finish it. So once again, Winston, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete podcast. I appreciate you having me on, man. Hopefully we get to do this again. That's been my absolute pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Winston and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Winston Speaker and at James O. Roberts 11. Again, you can do that on Twitter and Facebook. And do check out his website, winstonclements.com. And once again, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk forward slash free dash resources. Make sure to check those links out. The links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.